Welcome to Marketing Tales with Chris Raposo, a podcast created to spotlight and highlight marketers, tell their stories, and share their knowledge with those interested in all things marketing. If you're interested in more than just the cut and dry strategies and tactics and want to learn more about the human side of his guests and how they got to where they are today, then this show is for you. How would you recommend balancing a company's inherent personality with the crucial need to ensure that potential customers receive a compelling message that's potent and um, uh, portrays the capability of that company and the offering? See, the thing is, um, uh, the trends are changing all the time. Regarding the content part, so when you say the word personalization, it has got different meanings out there, okay? So when you say branding, I mean, like, if you show the unique brand value, so nowadays when I see some LinkedIn post, when I scroll on that specific part, I can recognize this is the post of that guy. Yeah. Because they have got some specific colors, the specific font style, and the way they portray the copy, I can immediately get, okay, this is from this specific guy, okay? Yep. So... So regarding things like you know personalization, right? You know, it has supposed to change. I mean, like the trend is you know, changing. Definitely, we have to change. So when some competitors doing well, I think we have to really analyze what is really working for them. Yeah. And uh, it is not about you know holding to that personality. I mean, like, see, we are not the same, right? If you even back to, uh, before some 10, 15 years, you are not that Chris now. Yeah, your personality has changed, depending on situation, everything. And same thing with the companies. The same thing, the company messaging, everything. It all time it evolves based upon the customer choices, based upon the customer platforms, based upon the messaging, everything is changing all the time. Yeah. So only thing is we have to be very, you know, uh, observing the trends. I mean, like how these competitors really, you know, getting the customers. So if, is, if someone is doing a, a good job and getting the customers, I would say that like definitely we have to watch out the messaging and we have to get the right from them. And mm-hmm. then we have to adapt to our personality and, you know, shift it in a better way. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not like you know we have to be constant on one specific area. It, it is not possible at all. Definitely, we have to change based on the market trends. Hello, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Marketing Tales Show with Chris Raposo. Today, I have my friend Bhuvanesh joining us from the south of India. Bhuvanesh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Hey, Bhuvanesh, we've been together and uh, following each other on LinkedIn for quite a while. I'm super impressed with your with your efforts, with your short form videos that you post about marketing and B2B and IT services. So let's talk a little bit about your background, how you got started. I, I saw that you have a degree in electrical engineering and communications and you started your career in IT, but then you moved into the business sector, working for various companies, working marketing jobs until you were brave enough to set out on your own and offer your expertise as a fractional CMO to B2B IT services and consulting businesses. Just tell us a little bit about your background, your education, your work history, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, it's so funny when I think about my career before some 10 years, because that time I was not into marketing. I was like working for the MNCs like Verizon, uh, Symantec. I was working like a network admin, system admin that time. Even though it's working for the MNCs, it was not that much technical. Even when I'm saying like a technical role, it was, I used to like a frontline support, like a kind of stuff. So when I was working for Verizon, I was into data center support. So that time it was like an easy job. Uh, that time, you know, I was not that career oriented that time. So at one stage of my career, you know, uh, my family was here in my, my hometown and I was in a metropolitan city. Uh, where, you know, I was working for various and all these kind of companies. So before some uh, 12 years that time, you know, I made a decision to come to my hometown. 
Okay, so that time, you know, I need a job <laughs> because I'm coming here, I need a job. So uh, when I went to all these technical roles, because there are some startups here in my hometown. So I went and attended a lot of interviews in the technical roles for network admin, system admin. So every single stuff, you know, I was getting rejected like anything. But when I went to this marketing and sales position and I was getting <laughs> selected, like 100% clearing weight there. So then soon I understood like that is my, you know, uh, personality, that is my character, that is something like which comes easy for me. So I'm easy with the people. So I thought like I, this is something like a career for me. So it's something like selected, uh, I changed my career course from a technical stuff to full kind of marketing and sales role. Uh, before some 12 years, I would say like it was a great decision I made in my career. Uh, because uh, a lot of things was uh, new at that time. But uh, when I see that at this stage, okay, I mean, like like a consultant, I think the decision I made that time, even though it was like accidental stuff, I mean, like a lot of people, entrepreneurs call them like accidental entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. myself all call me like an accidental marketer because I never had, I never thought in that way. Like, you know, I should pursue my, uh, uh, my career in marketing before some 13, 14 years. But that happened. I think I'm really happy about that. Yeah, you never know how what, what the future holds, right? So you, you got to stay yeah. open to that. And then, you know, people see something you, you may not see. And then you're all of a sudden, you're in a different trajectory. Then what maybe sometimes your parents tell you what you should do because they want you to do that. And then you're like, no, oh, I'm I'm my own person. You know, I'm going to go my own route. Yeah, life changes. I think the only thing is we have to accept it. And the uh, uh, thing is, life is there for you. Because uh, whenever we see that like, life is you know, something like a halt. I think we can see there's a lot of life still spending and we can still experiment. We can still reinvent ourselves, right? So it can still go on. So that is what thing, now I'm saying like a marketer, probably after 10 years, I'll be like uh, an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So who knows? I mean, like it all depends upon the situation that you are in and depends upon the people that you meet. So everyone comes in your life for some reason. I mean, in your life and your career. So that's what I understood for the past uh, 10, 12 years, uh, especially in the personal life and in my career. Yeah. The great learning all the time. Yeah, every some there's a reason why somebody comes into your life, like you said. Yeah. For a reason, right? When I worked back in the in the legal industry, I told you that I worked eight years in the legal industry, but we had legal writers uh, working as when I was a paralegal, and one of them was a part-time marketer, and she told me about marketing. I was like, "Oh, this is so much more interesting, so much more creative. I want to do that." And I've never done anything like that before. But that planted the seed, that conversation with her, and then years later, I got into marketing and now we're here on a marketing podcast of all things talking about marketing even though we're both weren't brought up in that industry in the past so life has a funny way of doing things and moving people around yeah and i'm really happy like you made the decision so that we are talking right now right <laughs> yeah so when we talked and we set up the 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 interview you were talking about one of your expertise is setting up setting up websites for potential clients of yours. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the importance of a website and how businesses can optimize it to get leads, to get awareness and to bring in more business. So when you're planning to change, to make a change to a website, how do you conduct user research to understand what customers want and what they need? Yeah, it purely depends upon the stage that you're in. I mean, like, for example, if you're like uh, just getting started, uh, I mean, like uh, in the technology world, I think it's a different stuff, right? And if you are like in a, a position, like you have got some 100 employees and more than 100 plus customers, I think you should, you need a solid B2B website there, right? For example, mm -hmm. if you are like uh, having like uh, more than 100 plus employees and probably like more than 100 plus customers and already uh, spanning some, you know, some 10 plus, uh, 10 plus million dollars in a year in revenues, and uh, 
So in that case, you know, you should have a solid B2B website because you have got hundred plus customers. So definitely you have worked you have worked on different different industries. So I see websites something like this. I mean, like you should be having a, a lot of core pages, like the home page, the advertise page, the careers page, because that is where a future investor or probably a future talent or probably a future client really decide to work with you. Because uh, a lot of things, uh, a lot of credibility has to be brought through this advertise page, the home page, and the careers page, and everything. And also, you have when you are like a B two B company and I company you'll be having multiple services so definitely you need separate service landing pages correct so, mm -hmm. so these are things are really important so if you really want to put that it cannot happen one single day it takes some time to do that i mean like i have seen in my past consulting gigs uh, when you work towards a website it takes at least some six months to eight months even one year to have a great website and that never ends i mean like there's no profession there you have to work according to the trends so uh, uh, based upon the user research, I mean, like definitely you have to talk with existing customers. So you have to really analyze like what all you have, things you have done. I mean, like which industries you are really strong at. So if you are strong at some five industries, definitely that five industry should be in your website, right? And uh, I mean, like for example, if you have got some 10, 20 customers, definitely you should have having some five case studies. So you can talk to them, you can understand, okay, what all things that you have solved for them. So those kind of content, you know, you have to bring to your website. So then you, know, you can use that for a later advertising campaign and everything. So the user research, I would say like you can do in two perspectives. One is like you can uh, do from the user perspective, I mean, like your ideal clients. And also you can do with your ideal competitor, someone who sits like a benchmark for you, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely you can go to the website, probably if you're making a $10 million and if someone is making $100 million in the same industry, so you can go and check the website because the website is like a foundation where a lot of buying decision really happens, right? So you can go and check the website. Then you can see like how their case study pages are structured, how their uh, industry pages are structured, how their core pages are structured. So that gives a lot of insight because you're targeting the same kind of customers, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say you have to focus on both. You have to focus on the competitors and you have to focus on whom you're targeting as well. So that gives a lot of insights for building a website. And then definitely you need a team. I mean, like you need a solid website strategist, a product manager, a copywriter, a designer, developer to make this, you know, a yeah. reality. Yeah, you do need a team uh, for sure. It's it's kind of hard if you do it by yourself. It, it takes even longer, but not that it can't be done. And there's way to outsource things like through Upwork where you can find talents all over the world, right? Like yourself, for example, you're out of India, but you service the entire world. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, demographics doesn't matter because you have the expertise and you can share that with somebody in Canada or the United States or Germany, wherever that may be. Yeah. So we just talked about there's different customers, different competitors. Now, if you have a big company and you offer different services, you're going to have different customer segments. So how do you decide how do you decide which customer segments to prioritize in your personalization strategy for a website? Uh, as I said earlier, that again depends upon like uh, what is your current stage at this moment. I mean, like uh, based, for example, if you're a company, uh, if you're really uh, based upon your strength as well. For example, like if you are a company uh, idea, if you're providing IT services mm -hmm. and you have done some probably out of the hundred customers that you have, probably you have serviced some 30 plus customers only for healthcare. That means that your real strength lies in that area, right? So when you segment that, I mean, like you can segment based upon the industry as well. You can segment based upon the users. 
So if you pick that specific industry which you have a real strength on, definitely the thing is you can bring that insights and you know uh, bring that to one specific landing page that could be like an industry landing page and then that can be used for like a LinkedIn remarketing campaign or LinkedIn direct advertising campaign everything right so segmentation i would say like yeah we know about the industries and everything there are a lot of industries right but the thing is we have to capture those industries where your real strength are so mm -hmm. when i'm saying the real strength it based upon your past experience i mean the past track record on servicing that kind of clients on that industry so you have to segment according to that and according to that you have to bring that website copy in your website and yeah. later that can be used for advertising campaigns mm -hmm. yeah that's a good idea um so some companies they have Maybe the brunt of their business comes from, let's say, higher education, but they mm -hmm. also service, for example, healthcare and government. But if 95% of the business comes from education, your message should probably gear towards education. But the exactly. problem, how do you, let's say you want to branch out into the other sectors though, right? Healthcare or um financial services, how do you not alienate those other customer segments? Would it be a specific landing page only for those two to 3% of your customers? Because if they come to your website and they see all of everything about higher education, they may think maybe that product is not for me, even though it works just as well for finance and healthcare. I'm not saying like you have to reflect that kind of copy on your core pages. What I'm saying is reflect on your service pages. For example, like as you said earlier, if your 90% customers go for higher education, uh, then you know you can have separate landing page for that. I mean, like now you want to branch it out to real estate or probably some other industry. You can have got separate landing pages for that. But the only thing is when some customer lands on a website, you should be having a clean mega menu structure. Like, you know, when they point the mouse, when they see some, something like industries, they should be able to see something like a, a menu structure showing like real estate, healthcare. So they are able to find something which is really relevant for them. For example, if you are from higher education and now you are looking for some specific IT solutions, right? So when you land on one specific website, uh, you might be seeing the message statement, then you point the mouse to the menu bar. Mm -hmm. Then if you see some uh, industry tab, then you see this higher education or probably uh, education industry. Definitely you're going to click on that. So mm -hmm. then after that, you see the copy, something like they are, you're there, do the IT solution for the educational industry. Then after that, some uh, matching case studies for that, or probably matching testimonials. So yeah. that, you know, really resonates with you. So it is not only about having some specific landing pages, it is all about making them accessible to the users when they land on your website. Mm -hmm. That really matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where um, website personalization tools really help. If you yeah. have somebody coming from a specific industry, then they'll be... They'll get that specific industry relevant uh, content tailored to them and pushed to them, giving them a personalized experience on your website, making the user experience even more uh, relevant. Yeah, there are a lot of autom automation tools available in the market at this moment. I think definitely we need to capitalize that. But if you're not using that, the best option would be like segmenting your customers based upon industry, uh, depending upon your current strength, depending upon your current case studies. And according to that, you can map it. You can really structure the website. I mean, like the core pages, then multiple service landing pages, then multiple case studies based upon your previous track records and yeah. multiple industry pages based upon your strength. So if you really structure that, then I would say when your idle customer lands on the website, you are giving the information which they're really looking for mm -hmm. in a fast you know, way. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's trust right there if you, if you give it to them. 
in that way. Yeah, it reinforces stress for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, let's pivot a bit to we stay on on website copy, and and the um and the customers, but let's say, you know, everybody's different the way they approach things, the way they approach their copy, the way they present themselves. You see that on LinkedIn all the time. There are people that are have a more humble approach, and there are people that are more boastful, talk about their offerings in a way that may be off-putting to others. So let's say there's a company that's that uses a more of a humble approach in their messaging and uh, reflecting the humility or the humbleness of a corporate personality. However, they observe their direct competitors that may not be as strong. They may not have as strong as a, of a product as company A, but they um, you know, communicate that strength in their messaging. How would you recommend balancing a company's inherent personality with the crucial need to ensure that potential customers receive a compelling message that's potent and um, uh, portrays the capability of that company and the offering? See, the thing is, um, uh, the trends are changing all the time. I mean, like if you see LinkedIn before some five, six years, it was something like a lot of selfie posts and, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the algorithm itself was, you know, so random. So nowadays, uh, you, uh, the algorithm has changed a lot. And uh, when you follow some specific person, you're seeing only that kind of post. For example, right now, you might be seeing my, your post and, you know, I'm seeing your post like that. Mm -hmm. Vice versa. So, uh, so that is something like uh, the algorithm has changed. But the thing is, regarding the content part, so when you say the word personalization, it has got different meanings out there. Okay. So when you say branding, I mean, like if you show the unique brand value. So nowadays, when I see some LinkedIn post, when I scroll on that specific part, I can recognize this is the post of that guy. Yeah. Because they have got some specific colors, the specific font style, and the way they portray the copy. I can immediately get, okay, this is from this specific guy. Okay. Yeah. So... So regarding things like you know personalization, right? You know, it has supposed to change. I mean, like the trend is changing. Definitely, we have to change. So when some competitors doing well, I think we have to really analyze what is really working for them. Yeah. And uh, it is not about you know holding to that personality. I mean, like, see, we are not the same, right? If you even back before some 10, 15 years. You are not that crisp now. Yeah, your personality has changed depending on the situation, everything. And same thing with the companies. The same thing with the company messaging, everything. It, all time it evolves based upon the customer choices, based upon the customer platforms, based upon the message, everything is changing all the time. Yeah. So only thing is we have to be very, you know, uh, observing the trends. I mean, like how these competitors really, you know, getting the customers. So if, one is, if someone is doing a, a good job and getting the customers, I would say like definitely we have to watch out the messaging and we have to get the right from them. And mm -hmm. then we have to adapt to our personality and, you know, shift it in a better way. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot it's of not sense. like you know we have to be constant on one specific area. It, it is not possible at all. Definitely, we have to change based on the market trends. You have to change it exactly right, and you have to leave your personal bias out of the out of the decision making, right? Because Absolutely, it's yeah. not about you. It's about your potential clients and what they want. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it all comes down to testing, especially A, a B testing, because you don't really know at the beginning of when, when there's a change in trends, what's going to work, what doesn't work. So what approach do you use for A, B testing on websites? And can you share an example where it led to significant improvements? See, the A-B testing, I would say, like, it is really useful only if you've got some significant, uh, for example, if you uh, talk about the website A-B testing, okay, mm -hmm. for example, uh, if you're uh, doing some uh, landing page campaign, and if you've got some traffic to that, 
So if you're really new to AV testing, it is not really good to have the AV testing done with some minimal traffic. I mean, less than 100. Mm -hmm. If you have got some traffic more than 1,000, I would say like you can, we can go for an AV testing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we can change the message variation. We can change the colors. Uh, we can change the case studies, okay, depending upon uh, the advertising campaign that you're running on. So it is really good, uh, but if you don't have enough traffic, A-B testing, uh, you know, it won't give you the much uh, data that you're really looking for. Mm -hmm. But if the traffic is there, and then if you're running the A-B testing part, I think you can get some good data out there. You can see like which is working, which is not really working. And in my past experience, I, we, we had done a lot of A-B testing, for example, like in the home page, uh, in the specific landing page campaign, we are changing the message variations. I mean, like we are uh, redefining the problem in a such a way. So we have seen like in one campaign is really working, one campaign is not really working. Uh, then uh, we are, so one recent example uh, we did for some two, three years was uh, in the blog. I think in one company, you know, in the blog, they had got a lot of traffic, okay? Uh, and uh, they didn't had any, uh, any specific call to action, like a right-hand sticky element or probably in between inline CTAs, they didn't have. So what we did is, you know, we, uh, you know, we changed that. Okay. Then after that, you know, we saw some uh, good conversions happening because this one happened before some three years. So A-B testing can be done in a variety of ways. I mean, like uh, it can be done on a specific page. It can be done on the, I mean, like uh, blogs, but it purely depends upon the traffic that you are getting. If the traffic is really good, you can experiment on that part. But it changes. I mean, like uh, we cannot say like uh, this works for you know. I mean, for the entire next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for for sharing that insight. Um, because it's you hear the buzzword A/B testing. You got to do that all the time. But like you said, if the traffic's not there, it may not yield the results that you're looking for, and you're not be we won't be able to really understand what works and what doesn't. Let's move to website optimization. Could you walk us through how you measure and optimize the website's conversion funnel? Okay, uh, for that, you know, we have got, uh, for example, like, you know, to check whether the website is really optimized or not. I mean, like, we have to see from the traffic numbers they are heading right now. I mean, like, if you're getting this much of traffic, I mean, like, I think the basic data numbers would be, we have to convert at least this much of website visitors, right? So uh, when you check that part, I mean, like uh, there are a lot of tools like the Google Data Studio. So there, you know, you can see like, okay, this many website visitors are coming to the website. And out of that, you know, this many people are visiting the blogs. And out of that, this many people are going to the landing pages. And this many people are going to the code pages. And out of that, this many people are filling the form. And this many people are, you know, uh, hitting the content as button. So you can get a lot of data from that. I think definitely you should be having this kind of tools to analyze from that uh, the beginning traffic numbers to the end conversions. So without having that, if you're still using Excel sheet and everything, it will be really hard to measure. I mean, every time you have to input the data and all this stuff. So if you have got a Google Analytics, then you know, you can integrate this kind of tools like Google Data Studio and everything. Then you can see like what are the traffic numbers and out of that, how many people you know enter the different pages on the website and out of that, how many people are getting converted. So uh, this this gives an idea. I mean, like, okay, uh, only this much percentage is you know, uh, getting as conversion. So then that means that, okay, on this level, we have to work on that. For example, like you are, you are getting a lot of website visitors from the blogs. So that means that the blogs are driving a lot of website visitors. But out of that, when it reaches the content as form, it is not getting converted. So in between, you know, it is not really happening. So probably it would be because of the call to action from the blog to the landing pages, or probably the landing page copy is not really working, or probably the content as form is not really convincing enough for the user 
to give the information, right? Or probably uh, they uh, didn't got that much of brand awareness so that they have the confidence to fill the form. So this kind of tools is really needed because that gives you like, you know, which stage is really breaking the funnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. So when it comes to people coming on your website, we, so we talked about optimizing, we talked about A-B testing, we talked about, you know, our copy, but most importantly, especially with people's short attention spam, the speed of a website is crucial, right? If they if, if it takes longer than three seconds to to load, the majority of the people they're just going to bounce and they go somewhere else, probably to your competitor. What specific strategies have you employed to decrease page load time, and how have these changes impact impacted user engagement overall? Yeah, that one I, I used to work a lot with the developers in the past. I mean, like because that in that place, you know, you need the help of the technical team. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you know, um, uh, I mean, like for example, in some website, in some specific landing page, you'll be having a lot of sections to convince the customers. We cannot reduce the number of sections. Definitely, you need that kind of copy to convince the customers. So when you have more sections and more copy, definitely that is going to increase the size and it's going to you know uh, increase the page load times as well. So that times it, uh, we should, I would say like, we should have a great hosting for sure. I mean, like the great hosting definitely increases the, I mean, like it really uh, lowers that, you know, that loading times, uh, that is one thing. And if you're using a content management system, I think we have to really watch out the back end, the kind of plugins that you use. If you have a lot of plugins, which is then you are not really using, then you have to deactivate that. So you have to do a regular check-in on the content uh, management system part. And otherwise, no, you can do a check on this, uh, uh, the Google page insights or probably core with vitals, this kind of tools. You can really see like okay, this kind of script or probably this kind of JavaScript is really, you know, uh, slowing down the entire system. So mm -hmm. you can get you can get an idea of that using this kind of tools, but I cannot solve that because I'm not a technical guy. So definitely that time, you know, I can show like oh, this is a place where, you know, uh, it is something like it is really slowing down the website. So I can give the input to the developer and definitely, you know, they are going to work on that. But this kind of tools are really must uh, because uh, that gives a real insight like where exactly the website, you know, is getting slowing down. But basically, if you're using a CMS, uh, definitely you have to watch out the hosting part uh, like WordPress. I think there are you have to choose the best hosting provider to have you know fast loading times. Yeah. And as well as you have to check on the back end on the plugin spot and everything. Yeah. And you've been in marketing for like what 10 years now, approximately? More than 10 years, around 11 years, I would say. 11 years, yeah. So during your 11 years, doing everything you just talked about, being a CMO, being a fractional CMO, what is one important lesson that you have learned over the course of your marketing career that you could share with the audience? I would say there are a lot of lessons which I learned uh, for these past 11 years. There are a lot of tactics. I mean, like we learned a lot about the platforms. We learned a lot about uh, a lot of stuff. I mean, like the, I mean, like how to handle the people, uh, you know, how to handle the money, the budget that you have, how to, you know, rightly allocate, how to face the situation where you're not getting clients. So the, I would say the most important lesson which I learned from marketing, I would say like persistence, man. I mean, like you have to stay posted. That really matters because if you really want to learn the skill, if you really want to enhance yourself, the most important thing is persistence. I mean, like the passion for this uh, uh, profession, that is most important. So if you being passionate, because I never thought like, you know, I'll be like a marketer like this before some 10 years. Uh, the financials, which I uh, which I projected myself, I mean, like this is what I want to earn myself in three years. I was earning around some three times better than that. 
So I think uh, that is the result of the passion. So the passion and persistence, I would say that is the, uh, uh, that is something that you have to be. I think that is the most important lesson for me. You have to be passionate, passionate and persistent. That is the most important thing for me. Yeah, passion is what drives you and that persistence and what, what keeps you going when you get tired. And the continuous learning as well, right? So are there any books or thought leaders or podcasts you would recommend somebody should look into, listen to, read to learn more about marketing? Yeah, there are a lot of podcasts uh, and probably a lot of information uh, in the uh, YouTube right now. I think if you really want to learn anything, just put the keyword there on YouTube, you can learn it. <laughs> it's not like we can face a specific personalities over there. Uh, regarding the books, uh, I'm not at all a great reader. <laughs> uh, yeah, the thing is, you know, I have not read much books in my entire life. But the thing is, one book which I really re read from the start to the end is uh, Atomic Habits from by James Clear. Yeah, the power of atomic habits. So that book, you know, I really, uh, because I believe in system right now. It is not about motivation. It's not about uh, setting out a plan. It's all about uh, building a system. I mean, like every single day, okay, this time you are doing this. And this time you are doing this. Whatever happens, you are following the system. Okay, if you have done that, okay, be happy about it. So just follow the system. I mean, like that is what driving me for the past, I would say, some 20 years. And especially for the past three, four months, <laughs> you are seeing my short videos, right? It is uh, just coming out of the uh, system, I would say. So regarding the question, I think there are a lot of information. I, uh, in LinkedIn itself, I think if you come across LinkedIn and if you're just getting engaged on people, there are a lot of people out there. I think if you want to learn about cold email, there are good influencers there. If you learn to want to learn about LinkedIn ads, there are good people there. I think LinkedIn is a great learning platform, man. <laughs> yeah. It's been underutilized by a lot of marketers. I learned a lot from you on LinkedIn. <laughs> I learned a lot from you as well, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Atomic Habits. You're the third person on this show that told me about Atomic Habits. So I really, I really have to get. Yeah, it. it's really popular, right? That's why. Yeah. Very popular. Hey, as we get the, as we take the interview to a close, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about you and about you and about your services? Uh Right now, I'm like a fractional CMO for specifically for IT service and consulting companies. The reason I chose for IT service consulting companies because like my experience for the past 10, 12 years in uh, working with this specifically B2B IT companies. So in order to get in touch with me, uh, I'm already available on LinkedIn all the time. So I think uh, in the end of the show, you can give me that LinkedIn profile URL link there so that people can click on the link and you know, they can connect with me because I am in the LinkedIn uh, all the time except my sleep times. <laughs> so you can message me anytime there on LinkedIn. Yes, I'll definitely tag you in the post and the recap post so people can find you and connect with you and follow you there. Awesome. Bhuvanesh, yes, thank man. you so much. Thank you so much for being part of the Marketing Tales show today. And thanks for sharing all your insight about web website optimization. Thank you so much, Chris. And really, thank you so much for inviting me to the show. Uh, uh, I, I think I've done <laughs> just to the show. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for inviting. You bet. All right. Take care, my friend. Thank you.